Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How'd You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Lena Barakat, who is Director of Strategic Partnerships at Tides. Hi, Lena. Lovely to have you on the show. Hi, Leila. Good to be here. So I guess we can start off with a quick introduction about yourself and perhaps an answer to the main question of the podcast, which is how'd you do it and why should I care? Uh, how did you do it? Why should I care? Um, you know, my journey um, to where I am today, I'm the director of strategic partnerships at Tides. I've been here for five years and I oversee the growth of our ecosystem of partners across all our lines of business. Um, and Tides is a foundation. It's a global foundation that really seeks to um, build towards a world of shared prosperity and social justice um, by providing all of the tools, resources, and infrastructure um, that social change leaders, mission-aligned companies, foundations, individuals, the entire social sector need to accelerate their mission faster and more effectively than they would on their own. And how did I get to this position? Um my passion in life, and I figured this out early on, um, are my values. And I, I learned very early on that social justice was something that I could never do on the side. It was my life's purpose. Um, and this was something that I discovered in, by way of my identity. It's, um, I'm Palestinian-American. I'm born in Los Angeles, California. Being Palestinian, it is, in your, it is in your DNA to really understand social justice and to understand, um, you know, these issues in a, in, in, you see it in everything. You can't unsee it. And um, from a young age, I would, you know, my mother and father would take me to protests and teach-ins and all of these things. And um, I had I had the chance when I was 18 years old to travel abroad and um, uh, um, to travel abroad and actually, you know, spend some time there. And I really got to experience really life firsthand. And um, it changed my life because I really recognized my privilege in that moment um, to know that, you know, I, I you know, I watched. Um, the occupation in full effect, impacting the daily lives, the land, the air, the water, the control of women's bodies, the control of um, education, all of these things, um, you know, the occupation was controlling the daily lives of Palestinians and putting them in cages just to travel from one city to another, um, putting a siege on them, not allowing them in or out of their own villages. And I thought to myself, how lucky am I, I get to go home um, you know, at the end of the summer and, um, and this is their everyday life. And I felt, I really saw my privilege in needing to do something to raise awareness about this. And from then on, I made a decision that I was never going back. I was never not going to make this my career. Um, of course I became an activist in college. Um, I was a grassroots organizer. I launched, um, uh, you know, nationwide campaigns, what started on my university, went to nationwide campaigns um, with other universities to divest from um, companies that were profiting from human rights violations and war crimes over there. And um, I remember um, being told, you know, when, when in all of the interviews I was being asked and uh, articles that we were writing, Lena, do you want to change your name? Do you want an alias? And I said, why, why would I want an alias? And they said, well, it might impact your ability to get a job. This is a really tough issue. And that was the moment. I, it was like a decision moment for me. I said, if a company I work for does not in line with my values, I don't want to work for that company. 
Mm. I have no idea what kind of what the impact that would have on me. And it did. I had two job offers rescinded. Um, only one of them came back to this issue. The other, I don't know, but I, I suspect because my name on Google was very clearly associated with it. Mm. Um, and I found tides. I, um, you know, um, later on, I from grassroots organizing, I went to nonprofit management. From there, I co-founded a social enterprise um, that focused on um, data visualization for human rights issues. Um, so it was a really nice ability to blend business and impact, which I was really curious about. And then from there, I found Tides. And the reason I was drawn to Tides was because I got really frustrated trying to understand like who makes decisions on funding and where money is going. And for me, I wanted to be I wanted to be on the other side of the table. I was so sick and tired of the same 12, you know, with all due respect, white led organizations getting the funding. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see, you know, more diverse groups getting funding. And so um, I made an intentional shift into philanthropy. Um, and why should you care? Um, you should care because we are all better for it when we're when we're living our best versions of ourselves and in a world where everyone can thrive. And I don't believe you get to be, especially in 2021, um, you don't get to be selective about the human rights you support. You don't get to be, um, you know, it's this is not this is not an a la carte option. And um, you know, and I think. We are so lucky we are in a, in a place and time where there's more awareness and you're able to align your values, your passion and your career can all live in the same place. You don't have to separate those things if you don't want to. Definitely. Well, what an amazing life you've had and some amazing experiences which have really shaped you. So I can definitely see that your heritage comes into play, which, you know, especially I can see through what made you want to join this industry. But I'm curious, what were the best resources that helped you become, you know, more involved with social justice and, you know, spearhead those initiatives as well? It's a great question. I think, honestly, Speaking up about what you want and where you want to go, the more you're able to articulate it, the more you're able to you're able to manifest that. And people, I believe, want to conspire to help you do that. And I'm someone who has never been afraid to ask questions. Um, I'm not afraid to try new things. So I often found opportunities and would be the first to raise my hand, even though I had no freaking idea what I was doing or how I was going to do it. Um, I would offer myself in there because I always knew, I think I have a growth mindset. And so I always knew the more I learn, the more I have experience, um, um, the more I'll be able to accomplish and do and, and, and excel and, and, and be successful. Um, and so it was asking for help. It was being very honest about what I know and what I don't know in my career, but where I want to know and where I want to be and the right people around me. And I, I, I don't even use the word mentors because mentors has this sort of idea that that person's a mentor in your life, right? Like they, they stay with you for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I think I sought out mentorship moments, like mentors in certain moments. Um, and it was sort of different people helping me along the way. But I think the resources is asking for help, not being afraid to name what you want, where you want to go. Um, and, you know, figuring out one of the one of the best things I did um, early on in college is I was confused about what I wanted to do in my career. I had no clue. You know, I was a graduate organizer. You don't get paid doing that. <laughs> I also knew I wanted to have, I wanted to be financially independent. I knew that too. So organizing an activist, financial independence felt like very different uh, trajectories and I didn't know how to converge them. 
So um, a professor of mine took me through this interesting exercise where he said, who do, who are the people in your life that you look up to, the role models? Who are the people that, you know, you wish you could say you would be? Like, what title attracts you in the future? Mm -hmm. Like, what are those titles? And once you name what they are, go read what their backgrounds were to getting there. And for me at the time, it was human rights law because I thought I wanted to work on the Palestinian human rights issue through a legal, a legal lens. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how I was going to do it. And, um, you know, I ended up shifting over time, but uh, essentially I I went and I found, you know, all of the sort of uh, looking at people who were in those profiles. I actually found that people had very different trajectories to getting there, which opened my mind to say there's more than one way to get to where you want to be. So I think being able to look at people you admire and you look at and, and understand what their stories were, feel, do what feels right to you, ask for help, be vocal, be articulate about your needs and have faith in yourself. You're going to get there. It's time. It's patience. Um, and yeah, and over time, things, things, things start to sort of fall into place for you. Definitely. And that's some really great advice you gave there. But I'm curious, before you entered the social justice field, were there any lessons that you wish you would have known? Oh. Um, you know, it's so strange to say this. So I went and did a master's in global development in social justice because I wanted the credentials and all, you know, young women are told that they have to go through all these like loopholes and young people, I said too, that they have to get these degrees and whatnot. But, um, I felt like I force fed myself into grad school because it was something I had to do. And, you know, and, and I, I don't discourage that. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that pedigree, but I feel like I did it for the wrong reasons. Um, and I wish I trusted my own gut and instinct and my own um, intelligence in a way to know that there are, you don't have to go through that sort of linear path to get to where you want to be. There are mo- like your experience, your experiences, broad experiences are valuable. And I think we, like I, you know, I'm 32 years old, so I'm not old, but I sort of, I definitely grew up in a time where it, you, you followed a cookie cutter path um, to success. And I think it's time, and I'm really proud of this sort of newer generation, the Gen Z generation that really understands that there's so many ways to get there. And so I think that's one thing I wish I knew. Um, another thing that I wish I knew, um, before going into the space is that, um, how valuable, I felt like I compensated a lot because of my identity, because of my gender. I actually, you don't know, I wore the, I wore the hijab, um, I wore the headscarf for 11 years. I was very proud of it. I wore it with such fierce, um, pride, um, and but I also compensated for it in spaces where I felt like I wasn't taken as seriously. I wasn't, you know, or I was always the youngest one in every room. And so I, I wish I had more of that sort of confidence and self-esteem to not overcompensate in, in, in acting certain ways. And just to know that, um, you know, that, that your voice, what you bring to the table is enough and is valuable. You always have a lot to learn from where you are, but you also have a lot to give. Definitely. Very useful advice. And thinking across the span of your career, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Yeah, uh, my biggest failure in my career. When I co-founded, when I was part of a founding member of the social enterprise um, with um, 
that the data visualization firm that worked on social justice issues. Um, I allowed myself to, I think I undervalued my worth mm. is what it was. I often never. Um, and so I think um, in terms of, and then that's negotiating, accepting very little to no pay for a long time, I think is one failure. Um, and hmm. Sorry, you're going to have to edit this one out because I have to think of it. I think for me, I'm going to start over and pause so you can edit this. Sure. I'll ask a question again. Right, let's do that. Yeah. So thinking about the span of your career, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's also a hard one. I'm going to flip a little bit because I don't believe in failure. There's mistakes, lots of mistakes, but I don't believe in failure. They're every, you either, you know, you either learn or you grow, right? Yeah. From these. And, um, and so I can't think of a failure because everything and any mistake I ever made, I, I learned from, um, but mis- I learned from and I grew as a result of. Um, and, you know, I, I manage a team of five people. And just just yesterday we had, um, you know, a pretty um, challenging client situation and, you know, we dropped the ball on something and um, and it came back to bite us later on. And my team was feeling really down because they're such high performers. They care, you know, their, their name, they put their name on something. They're they're all in on it. So it's, they're not used to not, not being at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And they felt we we're feeling really down. And I said, listen, um, even that, like, you don't grow unless you go through these really tough, cha- like challenging moments. You just don't. So you wouldn't be the best version of yourself. How could you grow? Um, if you were, if you were always sort of, um, you know, doing, doing the best at what you do. And so, um, the mistakes I've made along the way are, um, um, you know, on, you know, there's challenging communication issues with, with with partners that have led to lost partnerships early on in my career. That taught me how to be overly communicative mm-hmm. um, with 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 clients. I learned from that. Um, I'm not negotiating my salary. I was always so um, grateful to have a job. I was so grateful to be accepted. I was so grateful that like I undervalued my own worth mm-hmm. um, early on. And so um, for the first parts of my career, never negotiated. And now that's just a must. Mm-hmm. Um, and other failures I've had, I would say I big learning moments around people management you know, working with very different types, which I, is a skill of mine working in people dynamics, but managing is a whole different thing. And, um, and I've been really fortunate to have such a dynamic team um, that I think they learn a lot from me, but I've really learned a lot from them. So. That's great. That's really, really good to hear. And following on from that, you've been dropping some really, really great pieces of advice throughout this whole call. But what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Do it, do it. And um, ask yourself, always maintain the question in the back of your mind. Um, Sorry, I just lost my train of thought because I heard my daughter talking. You're going to edit this part one more time. Um, What is the piece of advice you would give wanting to pursue a similar? um, Yes. Um, So the advice, okay, so. The advice I would give is, you know, have a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. 
have a growth mindset because you, every experience you have, as we just talked about is, is one that allows you to build on your, on your, um, on your rapport, on your experience, on your skill sets and every, every opportunity, the setbacks are not just setbacks. I think they're opportunities to be accelerants for you, um, and allow, allow these experiences to bring out the best in you. It's not easy being in the field of social justice and philanthropy. I think you have to maintain, it can be exhausting and it can be draining, um, to be in a field where, you know, human rights are just the violations and environmental issues are just in your face all the time. So I guess the other piece of advice is find and create space for yourself to decompress, to prioritize your mental health. Um, it is, it is an exhausting field. And I would also say, ask yourself what, and this is in any career in any sort of thing, what, how can we do this better? Um, we as young, young women are often, made to feel like we need to get in line and we need to, you know, follow the way people are doing things when oftentimes your value is actually what you bring to the table that the, that the line doesn't have. And I want you to lean, I want young girls to lean into their power, to lean into their voice and to lean into um, their value. And which is hard when, you know, we're told otherwise, of course, but to know that you have something to offer as just as much as you have something to gain. And so to be in this industry, um, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of, um, you have to really create the right boundaries for your own self and, and, and space, but also know that there's always ways to do things better and that you have something you can bring as well. Definitely. And then finally, to sort of wrap up our conversation about your career, what is one common myth about the social justice feed field that you would like to debunk? Hmm. that all impact is good. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, that all impact is good. It's not all impact is good. There's a lot of, you know, being in the field of philanthropy, it's this social good space, right? And um, and the truth is, if you're not examining your practices and how you are doing the work that you're doing, especially as, and if, you, if you're with an institution of privilege and power, um, I you may actually be enabling and harming some of the issues um, and communities than you are than you are empowering and helping. And and I, you know, for my personal philosophy on on in this space is really around equity, is around shifting power. Um, if I'm not actively working on initiatives and funding programs and uplifting um, women of color and leaders in a way that allows them and centers them and their decision making in the work. Um, and actively shifting power to and 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 to them, um, then I feel like I'm wasting. We're wasting time mm-hmm. because this is if we you know at ties we talk about a world of shared prosperity and social justice. You can't have that world. You cannot be in social. Ju- you can't talk about social justice without that shared prosperity piece. And and in order to do that, communities need to thrive. And oftentimes traditional philanthropic uh, foundations and and practices and industries are actually very much um, enabling white supremacist behaviors and practices. And so not all impact is good. Um, Ensuring that you are centering those who are most impacted in decision-making is critical. And and, and I think that, and, and yeah, and I think and I think that there is not enough 
people in our industry really asking themselves those questions. Definitely. And more about you. I'm curious, what have you read or listened to recently that's really inspired you? I'm currently in this sort of like, uh, I'm going through a sort of personal journey moment right now around mindfulness and consciousness. So very cheesy. And I like a year ago would have been laughing at myself, but I'm, but I'm, I'm very much enjoying, um, uh, listening to podcasts and, um, exercise with Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really being, been pulled into, um, mindfulness conversations and, um, creating, really creating space. So this is, um, on that, on a personal level, that's where I'm at right now. And just really sort of learning about and diving right into, mm-hmm. um, the, on a, on a more stimulating level, uh, well, not that that's not stimulating. Well, the point of it is not to be stimulated, but, um, on a more stimulating level and, and in our, um, in our, in the industry, um, I'm just reading Angela Davis's book, um, on from Ferguson to Palestine, um, just understanding the sort of cross sections of black liberation and Palestinian liberation mm-hmm. movement, um, and Mark Lamont Hill's, um, progressive except for Palestine, which is, um, a tremendous book. Awesome. Then thank you for those recommendations. And, um, next question. I know this could possibly be the toughest question of the whole podcast, but who are three people in your life who have been the most influential? And I'm so sorry I had to be three. Yeah. Um, the most influential people in my life, um, number one, my mother, Mm -hmm. my hands down. I know that's maybe often said a lot, but she has shaped so much of who I am, um, and really enabled my, um, just my being and confidence and pushing me to every degree. And I, uh, I'm just so grateful to her because whenever I, I, I questioned and doubted myself, she, reinstated my vision for where I need, where I want to go and where I want to be and never let me falter on that. So that's her. Um, my college professor that I mentioned earlier, um, I think, I think that, you know, he's been a phenomenal mentor in my life and we've stayed very much close in touch. Um, um, he, I, I used to, funny and I used to push him in classes. Um, when, when writing my thesis, I wanted to do a topic that was, you know, very little research on, and he was like, find another topic. And I said, no, that's the problem is that there isn't enough research. We need to do this. And, um, and ever since then we formed a very close relationship. And, mm. uh, the third is my, my personal group of friends, my, my, my friends from college, they've really shaped my life and been incredibly influential. Amazing. And then finally, to round up our conversation for the day, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? Um, One piece of advice that I wish I gave myself. um, Don't doubt your intuition. That's that's always the case. I tend to want to research the hell out of everything and Mm -hmm. overthink everything. And I've had different people in my life tell me that your first guess is your best guess. Um, and I wish I didn't spend so much time overthinking things. So my advice I would give to myself is to trust my gut. Awesome. No, very, very important. So thank you so much, Lena, for taking the time to speak with us. It was truly wonderful to have this conversation. Likewise, Leila. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye.